0: today's coaching coordinator podcast. We go back into the archives for a podcast we did with Joe Acevedt. Joe is currently the tight ends coach at Tennessee, where he was promoted after his first two seasons in an off-field role after coming to Tennessee from Asa College. While he was at Asa College, he directed an offense that averaged 41.9 points per game, including a stretch of the final two games of the 2016 season, where the Avengers averaged 75 points per game. He was the 2014 JUCO Coach of the Year, won multiple honors at his time at the junior college level. I had the opportunity to see Coach at a clinic, at a Glazer Clinic uh, in the East, and I was so impressed with what he was doing with RPOs uh, really ahead of the game and how he can manipulate the defense. And we were honored to be able to have Coach Aceved join us. So take a listen to this one from the archives. Coach, where'd you get your start?
1: Uh, After I was done at Northeastern, I went back to my alma mater, Nassau Community College, John Anselmo. Uh... Who was with Doug Marone for a while at Syracuse and the Bills? I mean, he gave me my first job back at Nassau Community College in 1995 as a running backs coach. A little snot-nosed kid, not really knowing much, and just you know showed up every day with a pen and pad and a whistle and 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 and, and tried to take as many notes and put down as many things as I possibly can. Uh, you know, craziness, hectic on a notepad and try to suck everything in, and that's where I got my uh, my start.
0: So obviously you were a student of the game. What are some of the things you learned? in those first years.
1: Oh God! So many things. Just how to deal with you know. I was a. I was a. What was I? I was a twenty four 24 year twenty-four-year-old kid at the time too. So I was coaching. I was a kid coaching kids. I think the you know some of the things you learn is just how to deal with people. You know, being able to relate to kids because I was a kid myself. Um, just developing relationships. Um, just understanding how important relationships are with your players. Um, and and then, like I said, trying to obtain as much knowledge as I can from every possible resource I possibly could. Um, so that's probably early on uh, one of the most important things that I've, I've, I've taken away is is being able to develop relationships and just know how important, regardless of the X and O's factor, how important relationships are in dealing with your players um, can really play a toll and, and, and really influence a kid's life.
0: As you progressed through your career, what were some other key things you learned that helped in your development as a coach?
1: Some of the key things I learned in development as a coach, wow, good question. Um, you know, I'll go back to again. I think relationships and dealing with players on every aspect, not just on the football part, uh, but just dealing with everyday you know, problems that a kid might, uh, might occur. You know, off the field related stuff. I think if if kids understand that you really care about them and you care about their well being, uh, you care about um, giving them the resources to be successful, uh, I think you're going to get a lot of more out of that individual. Um, you know, X's and O's is an important aspect of football, obviously, but I think the coach player relationship, if anything, is probably the most important aspect. Of coaching football. And, and, and like I said, not to be repetitive, but if a kid really understands that you got their best interests at heart, um, they'll jump over the moon for you if they can. Coach, as you, you
0: progress through and you learn you know, throughout your career, you start to develop a philosophy. What's become your philosophy now overall in your program as a head coach?
1: I think if you look at it from a philosophical standpoint, there's got to be two things. There's got to be a a philosophy on what you're going to do with regards to an X and O standpoint, and then there's got to be a philosophy of what you want you to have your kids accomplish off the football field. Uh, The first one, obviously, you want kids to graduate from your program. You want to make sure that they have everything in their power to be successful to obtain that degree, be it a study hall be it the resources that they have can go to or when every type of problem occurs and then and then football wise you got to have a, a philosophy of what you want to do from a schematic standpoint um obviously for people that know me and heard me speak you know uh, being a spread offense guy and being an rpo guy uh, that's from a uh, an x and o standpoint but i think you got i don't know if you can marry both of those things i always say when people uh Pose that question to me. I have two philosophies, uh, both an academic and an athletic one. So uh, in a short answer, those would be my two philosophical uh, views on things.
0: Coach, obviously you, you've uh, gained some notoriety for what you do with RPO. In fact, I used some of those this past season, but we'll get to those in a minute. In order yep. for those things to work on the field, you've got to build a culture. You've got to have guys buying into what you're doing. So what things do you do specifically to build a culture in your program?
1: uh a couple of things do it as much as we can do with team bonding. I, you know, you got to make sure you know, we talk about uh, relying on the guy next to you, being able to have a trust process. You know, my talks about the strength of the nine units. Uh, we, we're, on the, we're on the same uh, uh, philosophy as that. We just, every single activity we do, both on the field and off the field, is just about being able to trust the guy next to you. Uh, if you can build that culture, Okay, and attack every day with blinders on. That's another big uh, cues that I use. Uh, Everything will take care of itself. Uh, Don't worry about the little things. Everything is outside noise. Just make sure you can be the best possible person you can be. Uh, A a teammate, uh, a friend, uh, if it's a coach, a mentor. Those are the kind of things you're trying to implement on an everyday basis. You know, I'm not big on all these, you know, win the day type of things. I just, you, you want to make sure your kids know you care about them. You want to make sure that the kids are working towards some type of goal. And you want to make sure the kids are attacking uh, uh, every day with blinders, especially this day and age with so much outside noise that can filter into your program, that could cause some type of destruction. You know, you want to make sure that that, that, that culture is there. And, and, and we have three very simple rules that we use uh, with regards to culture. If your grandmama or your mama don't think it's going to be right, it probably isn't, so you don't want to do it. Don't embarrass the program and don't embarrass yourself. You know, I- I'm not big on coming up with too many rules. You're coming up with too many rules, things get broken. Um, so that's basically what we're trying to do uh, with regards to culture.
0: Coach, you've really become known for your RPOs and how you manipulate a defense. Where did that develop from? Where did you get these ideas?
1: That's a great – so it happened about eight years ago. I went on what I call my college tour. I went out and visited University of Illinois. I went out and visited Texas Tech. I went out and visited Rich Rod when he was at West Virginia. And I there go – a four or five institutions I went and go and, – that and I went and, and visited. As long as taking some things where I was at, LIU, post, some things that we did with the power run game at Nassau. And as every coach does, you have that notebook that all has all your X's and O's in. And I wanted to be able to combine the power run game and be able to plus plus stuff in the box by just reading people. So it's really a conglomeration of all the places I've been, and and stealing little tidbits of of what I like from certain things. And then, over the past three years, moving forward, what we've done with our coaching staff. What we did when we were at Nassau is we were like mad. So we would sit in that room and just, you know, at 11 personnel, what can we do to manipulate this person? And it just started to evolve just like every other offense. Uh, But to to answer your question, I was like a thief. I stole a little bit from here, a little bit from there. And then you put your own window dressing and your own staple to it, so that's how our RPO game kind of evolved. So it's it's nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. Nothing that's really mind blowing. It's like like every other coach. Football is relatively easy. Uh, A lot of us are thieves, and we just stole some some things from different places. So,
0: coach, tell us about you know the X and O philosophy, specifically for your offense.
1: We're a 90% RPO laden offense. Everything's predicated off our inside zone. We have about 16 RPOs that we can use in the bolt offense. And the great thing that really has developed, with made us successful, is just being able to uh, implement the zone read. We just reading the end. We've gone so far now, and as much as as teams do across the country, as 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 the. Uh, RP goal, RPO game is really starting to evolve. We have the ability to probably read all 11 defenders on the field. Um, so if this, if you have one defender that's really hurting you in some type of fashion, be it an interior lineman, maybe a safety that's rolled down, we have the ability to, to read that player, which really – has really taken off. It allows us to get numbers in the box. It, it allows us to take uh, advantage of overly aggressive defensive players and 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 have answers. Which in today's day and age, with defenses being funky and, and stepping and all that stuff, I think the major key component to having a successful offense is being able to have answers on game day. Which we which we we have that, and I think the RPO system that we that we uh, implement really gives us those answers.
0: And I can say that I. Have- haven't seen many systems uh, with as much RPO and variation as, as you have, but you have some great stuff there. Uh, in order to make that work, I know from having run RPOs myself, you really have to get that practice down with the timing, the pace of the play, etc. There's a lot of moving parts. What are the best things you're doing with you and your coaches to teach your players that system?
1: Uh, no, no question. I think, you know, everyone says they want to be RPO. They want to do this. They want to do that. Here's our philosophy on it. Just like you would in seven-on-seven, seven, just like you would in your inside run game, if you want to be good at something, you have to be able to work on that particular aspect of that game every single day. So we have what we call – we use it called the double ball drill. And basically what that is, is that's just receivers. That's your skilled players on offense, receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs – Every single day for about a seven-minute period, we're working on every single component, be it an A-level, B-level, or C-level read, like we would on inside run, like we would on on seven-on-seven, just to work on all the mechanics that go into that RPO uh, structure, if you will. So, it, it, and, and when I speak around a crunch, I talk about it. if you're going to be good at something, the most co- we, most uh, coaches in practice implement an inside run period every day. Most coaches have a seven-on-seven period every day. Well, if you want to be good at your RPO game, you better damn well make sure that you're doing that every single day. And I think that gives your quarterback uh, muscle memory. It gets him on the same page with regards to your wide receivers. You're, it, 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 allows, it enables you to work on the mesh point with your running backs and, and it makes the quarterback make quick uh, quick decisions and work on all of his mechanical needs that, that that he'll need to make that play be successful
0: Coach from a scripting standpoint with whatever you're carrying into, uh, into your game plan h- how many reps do you need to get each of those RPOs and, and I guess first of all maybe the question is of your 16 typically how many do you carry into a game plan
1: we're going to carry all of them. Obviously, early on, okay, you, depending – let me give you an example. To answer your question real quick is – early on, depending on if you have a veteran quarterback or not, like two years ago when we were at Nassau and we really got this thing up and rolling, we had a pretty veteran quarterback so we were allowed to go down and play Trinity Valley, Texas and we had all of our RPOs going. This year being at a new place with a new quarterback okay, you might have to pull the strings back a little bit and find out exactly what he's good at um, so it's depending on what type of quarterback you have or what type of veteran or rookies that you have going on, but what we like to go. We like to go into games with loaded guns. So as much as we can, our quarterbacks can can uh, remember and, and can and execute at a high level. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit with regards. We want to go into a game. We don't want to have anything held back with that. So 15-16 uh, is badly what we're going to like to go into. Like a, unless you have a quarterback that's swept behind the ears a little bit.
0: So in terms of getting those those scripted now obviously tempo's yep. going to play a big part in that that you're going to be able to get a lot of plays in practice what's your goal yes, for sir. every single one of those plays how many reps you want to get it during the week to get it well, ready? We're going
1: to try to we're going to we're going to try to script We're going to try to script 20, 25 plays in a 10-minute period uh, depending on what we're looking to get done. Like I said, we'll have the double ball drill that we'll do every single day. It's an everyday like like we do. And then we'll go into a period where – Uh, It's going to be all RPO-laden stuff with the scout team. So the quarterback doesn't know the look we're going to get. We're going to script the look we want predicated on the defensive stems or pressures that we're going to get for that given week. But it's a good situation with regards to – the quarterback's going to see exactly what pressures you're going to get. It's going to allow the coaching staff, when they go back and look at the film, do you like this RPO? Maybe you want to change the slant into maybe some type of bull or maybe some type of arrow concept. So there's not a lot of give and take that we want to do with regards to going into practice. So we'll have one period, along with the double ball drill, where we're going to work on all of our RPOs. Uh, Uh, for any given week.
0: Now, a lot of these you said are based off of your inside zone run?
1: It could be insert play here. We'll have RPOs off our inside zone. We'll have RPOs off of our counter, our Trey Reed. We'll have RPOs off of our dart scheme, our power scheme. It's whatever. uh, We want to take the aggressiveness out of the defense's best players, or take the aggressiveness out of the defensive play caller's hands by allowing us to have answers with our RPO game.
0: And over the course of a game, let's say uh, I don't know. Typically, how many plays do you guys get in a, in a game?
1: We've been averaging the past. We probably average between seventy to seventy-five snaps of football game.
0: Of those, how what percentage are RPOs?
1: Uh, that, uh, that, no, that not all of them are RPOs. I thought you said how many snaps are we averaging a game? No, what what RPOs, percentage? Snap. Yeah. What percentage of RPOs? Yes. I mean, we're going 90%. I mean, every, majority of our run game, there's an attachment to it. So I would say 90%. Very limited time are we going to make an auto call, which auto... T- <laughs> which auto to us means we have numbers in the box. We don't have to RPO anything. We're five for five. We're going to hand the ball off. Very rarely that's going to be. So If, you, if 90% I would say there's an attachment to whatever type of run we have called.
0: So every week uh, do you mix and match your run game with your, uh, you know, your attachments to it?
1: Yes, sir. Yep. And 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 the good thing about our RPO stuff is we'll do it out of every personnel we have. I mean, we can be three by one open. We can be three by one put the formation into the boundary. We can do it out of eleven, eleven trips, eleven open, eleven closed. I mean, the 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 formations and the plays are endless. Uh, it really is. And I think if you what we do at r and we teach everything conceptually. So the pieces know where they're fitting post-snap, which allows you the availability to line-up wherever you want to line up with regards to any personnel group you want, as long as the pieces know where they fit post-snap. That's why I think it, it allows us, especially as a play curl, it allows flexibility, it eliminates tendencies, uh, and it allows you to play faster. And I think that's another thing uh, I didn't touch upon either that I, I should have um, – of the availability of us to line up in multiple ways both pre-snap and post-snap really helps us it's really beneficial uh, and it makes the defense prepare for that many more things so
0: and i know you have a kind of a unique way of looking at this that you shared in your uh, in your coaching clinic which i was able to sit in on um you talk about your read and you talk about your manipulation can you go through that for our listeners
1: sure uh I'll I'll just take the inside zone. It's the easiest way to do it. So if you're going to read that five technique or, or four technique, okay, we call him that is your read key. The next person, your secondary contained player, your alley-fill safety, we call him the trigger. So all it is is basically old-fashioned triple option. Instead of having three backs in the backfield, now you're taking your outside receiver, who nine times out of ten, we don't want him to have to block an overhang. You know, our receivers are, are not our six four, six five 6'5", So instead of them having to block overhang players or scroll down safeties, we just manipulate them. So... What we do, whatever that RPO was off our inside zone, if we're on our razor or on our arrow tag, defensive end's your read player. Your overhang player is your trigger, and that's how we classify that. If it's a safety, okay, and we're reading a safety coming down, it could be off of Trey Reed, and we're running to a, a, a tight end attached. The backside end could be the read. If we get a pull and the safety scrolls down, that could be our trigger. So we, we call it the read player, and then the secondary player, contained player, or scroll down safety, that's our trigger. So that's how we classify our, our, our two with our RPO and our read play.
0: Coach, let's put you in a, in a tough situation here. Yeah. The uh, situation is this. Tom's running out. You have the ball on the opponent's 30-yard line going in, but there's 30 seconds, no timeouts, and you need a touchdown. It's third down and seven. They've given you a mix of fronts and coverages and thrown some pressure at you as well. What are you going to look to do in this situation?
1: First thing we're going to do, if any time uh, I'm getting – some type of defense stem, and I'm sure not sure what to look at. We're going to try to freeze them, so we're going to make a freeze call and see if we can get the defense ID. Right, where's the pressure coming from? Do we need to? Do we need to slide the protection? Okay, what's the defense going to be in the back end? So we're going to try to get it ID'd. Obviously, we go into a game plan that most coaches do in the country. Once you can get that thing ID'd and you get some clarity on it, you're going to if it's man coverage, on your call sheets you're going to have your best four man beaters that you're going to dial up. If you're getting some type of cover three, some type of mixed type of quarters, you're going to go into your top three that you like there, and you're going to choose from your best third and seventh play. You know, I, I think most coaches in the country, and this is nothing new. There's got to be some type of preparation so in your call sheet you got to have something for that third and seventh call checked off with what type of coverage or what type of pressure you're getting in so that's what i would call uh definitely freeze cadence it see if you can get it id'd once you get it id'd get to your checklist and get into the best play that you've done probably your homework on a monday tuesday wednesday night
0: Coach, you've uh, you've got some unique RPOs, and the one I used uh, particularly a lot this year is the one you call uh, Hooters, which was yeah, basically yeah. Uh, it's a reading of the, read the defensive end, but you're pulling to throw basically a, a corner route, a naked. So you got a guy clearing out, and a guy. Running a, yes, a sir. corner kind of off a, of a switch release. I mean, you have a lot yep. of those unique ones that aren't, aren't your typical just, you know, pull it and throw the bubble or the now screen. Can you talk about maybe some yeah. of your unique ones? Unique ones? Yeah,
1: sure. How that's they a, come together? I, I, sure. Um, I. I love vertical RPOs and, and, and hooters and motorporter. Those are kind of funny names. And the reason why we call it that, because we call our tight end our H. So there's a lot of word association with it. But especially nowadays, you start to go FSL. You put your formation into the sideline and you line the tight end up to the field. A lot of times we saw what we call kick safety in quarters. So we would get a five technique. Or a nine, not a five technique. Excuse me, a nine technique or a seven technique inside our tight end. So what we would do is we would make an inside zone read, or even our our dark play to that side, read the end, and then be able to throw the manipulation to the tight end if we get a bender and a scroll down safety. But what teams started doing to us was now we would work so much of that into the boundary. Uh, formation to bounty, put the tight end to the field is now we get kick coverage. They wanted to kick and they'd start playing some type of cloud or some type of sky. So if they do that obviously now you have to now add one to that side to marry to to, to beat that coverage. So what we did was we just made a motorboat call and all, we, all it is is we're getting a switch release from the single receiver lined up to the tight end side. So now all he's doing is he's taking inside vertical release almost like a switch con like you stated earlier, and we're still running our H on the flag. So now we have a two-way go versus a pull when teams start adjusting to our nub trips. All right, that's the first one. So that's Hooters and Motorboat. Those are the good other concepts, one re-
0: yeah. Go ahead, Coach.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the other ones that we like to do, okay, is, is our basic marry anything we do with our quick game. Okay, and make it into an RPO, so we have hooters, we have motorboat, we can go into our into our six snag concept, where what we're going to do or our switch snag concept is we're going to run our power replay, still read the end. If we get in any type of safety, we call the, we call it two-high safety, one-high safety. What's his ceiling? If we get him lower than the 10-yard ceiling, we call it a piss tag. We make a piss tag call. And all piss stands for his posts inside the solo safety. So if we're running power read, let's say, to the left... Okay. Instead of reading the end now, we're going to make a lock piss call. We're going to block the defensive end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to take our solo receiver and run him on a skinny post. We don't give it. We don't give it. Uh, we don't overcoach it. He's going to run at the pre-snap alignment of the safety's toes. So if he scrolls down and all it is is outside zone for the back. So if you picture the quarterback's going to take a two-step shuffle, right to left. If that safety stays high and that Yard ceiling, we're handing the ball off. It just turns into outside zone. If that safety rolls down, then we're running to the single receiver side. Now, if that safety comes down underneath that 10 yard ceiling, the quarterback's pulling the ball, throwing and throwing the skinny post behind it. Okay, so that's that's our piss tag. The other we do is against quarters. Obviously, the new coverage, everyone's playing out those quarters. And I know, obviously, quarters you have a ton of. You have old fashioned quarters, you have solo, you have mini. So we were seeing a ton of so, uh, uh, quarters solo. So what we did was we we went three by one, okay, and we took our number three receiver. Now in solo coverage, the back safety, the three by one, has got three strong going across the field. But he's also your alley fill player strong side. So it could be insert play here. Mm-hmm. We're going to run Trey Reed to the trips, we're going to run inside zone, away from the trips, we can run dart to the trips, and all we're doing is we're going to make our read player the defensive end, if we get a bender, we're going to pull the ball now, and we're telling three to run at the pre-snap alignment of the weak side safety. So we get a pull read, well now that puts that weak side safety in quarter solo in a bond, because he's your alley-fill play and run game. And he's got three strong coming across the field in solo quarters. It's pitch and catch. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for the quarterback. We're going to take our single receiver to three by one, and we're going to protect and release him to the boundary, and we're just going to make it a one-man game. We tell our quarterbacks very easy. Don't overcoach it. What's the single, What's the weak side safety doing? He comes down, throwing it. We're throwing it to three, coming across the field. He latches on because he's got three strong. We're keeping the ball, and there's nothing but green grass in front of you. And there's a couple of things we can do with that when they start to rotate the coverage where we have automatic passes we throw into when they start kicking the coverage to your single receiver. But those are the two things that we've got the most, uh, or the three things that we've got the most uh, bang for your buck for. I hope that makes sense to the listeners out there what I went through.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's it's it definitely presents some problems for a defense.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. No question. And... and and, and, like I said, and, and, and then, you know, Coach, I'm not on any innovative thing. This is what we did. Just And I think this is good for coaches that are learning or, or that want to get more involved in the RPO game. Gentlemen, this is what I tell you. When I speak at a clinic, I said the same thing. What do you guys do? What can you ex- execute at a high proficiency level in your quick passing game or your sprint out game? What do you have in your menu that you can do that? All you want to do is take those two things and you sprint out and then you're quick passing and that you can execute a high proficiency level and figure out how you want to do an RPO with that and who you want to read first. What run do you want to insert here? And all it is is insert run here, and then the RPO is what you execute at a high level. And that's how you go, sit in the room with your staff. That's what we did. That's how we came across all these things. Things that we can execute at a high proficiency level or that your quarterback can throw on the run real well and insert a play here and give them the two-man read game, and that's how you can get into your RPO. That's all we did. I mean, it's not really innovative stuff. It's just that's what we came across, and that's how we stumbled on some things.
0: Well, like anything, Coach, it's a commitment to it, too. And you guys have made a commitment to it, and you've excelled at it because of your commitment.
1: Definitely, definitely. Like I said, I think it's an important aspect. and And I think in this day and age, with defenses trying to confuse you, or trying to plush you in the box, if you can get even numbers or you can plus the defense, you win the battle. And then you get tempo involved, it makes it even more uh, uh, to an offensive advantage.
0: Coach, you certainly are a student of the game, and our next segment focuses on some of the lessons that you've learned and some things maybe we could pass on to our listeners. So let's start from the beginning again. What's a mistake you made? As a young coach, and what did you learn from it?
1: A well, mistake as a young coach trying to do too much. You know, I know it's I know it sounds clicheous, but try to keep it as simple as possible. You probably heard a number of coaches say that. You know, I, I, I can speak as my first time being a coordinator. Don't try to do too much. Uh, make sure you, your game plan, even though you might be able to understand it, make sure your kids can effect, effectively execute it. Uh, make sure they understand the concepts that go behind it. Um, and, and try to just keep it. As, don't have too much on your, on your plate. Don't put too much on your menu. And don't look to score 1,000 points your first year. You know, and, and keep a journal. Keep a journal of the things that you need to learn so one day when your time comes as a head coach, you can reflect back and look at some of these things and, 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 and use it as a resource and a guide as you move forward in your coaching career.
0: Coach, what's a book you would recommend to our listeners that you've learned from?
1: Oh, God, the coaching Bible. I think uh, those coaches that are among the AFCA, you get... <laughs> You get those those resource guys senti house. You know I'm a football junkie, Keith. So anything I can get my hands on. I'm reading. Uh, the, A- the the coaching Bible's got to be first and foremost. Obviously, Bill Walsh's book that everyone in the country read. I- I- I'm about to read uh, Urban Meyer's uh, uh, book, uh, Above the Line. Uh, so anything you can get your hand on that you, can, that you can get into, go to your website. You put out some great material. Uh, just never stop learning. Hey, go to your high school. Sit down with your high school coach. Uh, you can learn from high school people. Go to clinics. Uh, Anything that you can get your hands on, that you can go out there and you can learn from anybody, regardless of a high school coach, a juco guy, a major college guy, Division II, just be a junkie. Take it all in. And here's the key component, though, Keith. Make sure you find little tidbits that fit your program. So when you take your notes, how could I take this back and insert this into my program? Everyone doesn't have the facilities or the resources that the University of Texas or the University of Alabama has. But what can you take back from listening to somebody? What can you take back that you can implement that into your program and you can have success with it with your kids? That's the thing that I would say. And just be use everything, absorb every single resource you possibly can.
0: Coach, what's on the horizon for you? Where are you looking for that next tidbit or what's the on-field scheme, technique, et cetera, that you're excited about?
1: Uh... You know, it, it, it's evolving. Offense is evolving. Uh, you know, the, the great thing about our profession is once you think you stop learning, it, it's time to wrap it up. So I'll be with my notepad and pencil, watching probably every single bowl game under the sun. I'll be out doing professional development like I do every year. Go visit someplace and 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 take something back that you can that you want to get in uh, in into your program. Uh, I'm big now on on trying to motivate. Uh, kids being a head coach, being a motivator, so I'm big on that now. Um, but, but but that's it. I mean there's there, every single day you're trying to grow as a coach, uh, be it schematically, be it fundamentally, be it uh, um, you know uh, tr- trying to create a culture. So that's what I'm at. I mean, I've never stopped learning, and, and I love these things you do. I think it's I think it's I wish that there was a Keith Kukowski who did this when I was 24 years old. I think the, the great thing now with social media, and, and Facebook is there's so many resources out there for young coaches to go learn this sport, the greatest sport that there that there is in this world, and, 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 and it's, it, young coaches are so fortunate to learn from all, all coaches across the country, no matter what level it is. And it's really it's, it's so beneficial. And, and, and just from all the coaches out there, we can't thank you guys enough for doing this.
0: Well, obviously, tech, technology has been a game changer. It makes this uh, available to, to young guys and really anybody who wants to learn the game. Um, and speaking of technology, you know, it's it become really a big part of our, our teaching. So what's your favorite yeah. piece of coaching technology that you use?
1: I mean, you've you got to love Huddle. I mean, I think it's the greatest thing uh, ever invented. Uh, the real, why do I like it? Because you can actually send things to your players. Your players can send you, send you notes back. You can draw diagrams on it. Uh, it. Just everything that goes into huddle. You can create a playbook on it now. Uh, you can have cut-ups. You can cut things up and, and, and diagram things. I think it's the greatest invention ever in football, and, and there's so many beneficial uses of it. You can create presentations to show your kids. We even put tests on them. We put our grade, uh, we put our game grades on the kids, so you know they have them instantly uh, within 24 hours after our game. Um, I think that's the one of the greatest technologies ever invented is, is huddle, and that's something that we use uh, um, uh, go, going forward. You have that. You have, the, you have your, your your thing. That's that's good as well uh, I mean there's so much in there I think technology has really changed uh, the face of football uh, from a resource standpoint for, for coaches across the country
0: coach this is this next one's kind of a tough one for a lot of guys because um, yeah. we're so passionate about this game and it's, it's easy for us to put a ton of time into it so yeah. what have you learned about creating balance with you know your family your wife kids Faith, all those other great things question. that have to be important to you?
1: Uh, you know what? That's a tough one, and it's a great question. Uh, there's got to be time for family. Uh, you, you know, I'm married with two kids. Thank God for my wife. Um, she is. The quarterback of our family. You got to make sure that uh, all you single coaches out there, if you decide one day to get married, you got to make sure you have a, a woman that is strong and, and, and that is is uh, self-motivated. That 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 is is a disciplinarian because she is the quarterback of our family. Uh, my wife Sandy, I can't thank her enough for giving me the opportunity uh, to do what I love to do every single day, uh, and being able to take care of our house and our two children um you got to find someone to do that they really there's nothing like a football wife uh they're they're home they're raising two kids a lot of time on their own uh you miss some things uh unfortunately that's just the nature of our business that we're in but you need to have a woman that's self-confident that knows who she is that doesn't mind being alone every now and again and that understands that there's sometimes you know uh you have other uh surrogate children in your life. You know, I have a, a daughter and a son and, 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 and then I have uh, 80 other, 90 other stepchildren and, and, and my wife understands that. She understands the commitment. So, and, and it takes a strong woman to do that. But you've got to, you know, find time when it's downtime. You got to make sure it's downtime. You know, in the summertime when you're with your family, shut your phones off and and and, and, and rejuvenate your batteries. But you're 100% right, Keith. There, for that, I could imagine the coaches out there, and, and, and especially in college now, with with re- recruiting what it is, and it's become a, a 24/7, 365 and um there's not much downtime anymore you know between twitter and social media we spoke about all the positives in in social media and then you have the recruiting aspe- aspect where you know you got to be tweeting kids you got to be on social media you got to be making recruiting phone calls um that's probably the negative part of it but um I say this, there's nothing like college football. It teaches you lessons in life that you never learn in the classroom. No, you know, you get smacked in the mouth. It takes a big buck to pull up and put his big boy pants on and climb back on the mat. You don't learn that in the classroom. You don't learn how to uh, bleed, sweat, play for a cause, play for the guy next to you. There's things in football that, that you learn that... That You can't learn uh, you know, anywhere else, and, and, and they're valuable lessons. Um, that's why it, it aggravates I know I'm off-topic here a little bit, but it aggravates me about all these people saying how football is bad for you. There's not another game in this country that teaches you the lessons that football teaches you. Um, so I know I went off-tangent no, there a you're little good. bit. But. You, a- you
0: actually answered my next question just on some of the concerns about the game, and obviously the media uh, certainly spins some negative things on football. But you know coaches, I think if you do the right things, are going to be able to overcome some of those some of those things
1: yeah no no, no question about it I, I think you know heads up football's doing a great job. I think some of the new rules are trying to take trying to take the head out of the game uh, will help us moving forward. Um, but uh, but I know I say this. Football is there's a certain type of nastiness that comes with football. It's I hate to use the word violent, but it is a macho man sport. And um, I don't know how much you want to limit people from doing that. You know you want to take the helmet. I know the new thing now is rugby tackles, and so forth. But football is uh, there's a little nasty side to football. And, and I think that needs to be in there for all the reasons being. Um, so who knows where it goes? I think obviously with the, with the new equipment that'll be coming out and, and, and all the technology moving forward, I think will help us. But um, there's, I, and my belief, man, this is just me talking, I believe there's a lot more positives to coming out of football than there, then there are negatives at least in, I can tell you this in my life just from me personally I've taken so much from this game and that you can transcend into uh, real life lessons um, so
0: yeah for sure coach this next segment we're going to speed it up a little bit we got our two minute drill so just some very quick okay. question and answers on some various yep. football topics so schematically what's the toughest defense to face
1: I think teams that move the front on you cause the most problems.
0: What's your favorite goal line play?
1: Any type of pick concept or rub route. Turf or grass?
0: Turf or grass. Turf. What's your favorite backfield set? Uh, pistol. Day game or night game?
1: Ooh, I like I like playing under the lights.
0: If you had to run your offense from one formation, what would it be?
1: Two by two.
0: What's your favorite quote?
1: Oh, favorite quote. Favorite quote. Uh, Winners aren't born, they're made.
0: Should the kickoff be eliminated? No. If you could pick one football coach from the past, either retired or no longer with us to learn from, who would it be? Bill Walsh. How about somebody from the present?
1: I love Rich Rod. I think he's an innovator.
0: How many teams should be included in the FBS playoff?
1: Well, uh, there's four now. People say they won eight. When they are going to have eight, and they're going to say they <laughs> won ten. I like it where it's at.
0: All things being equal, Coach, run it or throw it.
1: <laughs> what does the box dictate?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, run it. See, with you, it's like both, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Coach, great job on the two-minute drill. Here's our final question and an important one to our listeners who want to find the winning edge. What's the one thing you would point to that gives your teams the winning edge?
1: Conditioning. Make if you're a tempo team, make conditioning a factor. Make it su- make it superior. Make it your, make it a focus, a point of focus in your offseason conditioning program. Make it a point of focus in every single drill you do. Uh, it, it turns those five six uh, run plays in the first half into explosive chunk yard, explosive plays in the se- second half. Make conditioning a factor if you're a tempo team.
0: Coach, how can our listeners connect with you?
1: Uh, at Coach uh, at Coach Osevin on Twitter, uh, at Coach Osevin at ASA.edu, or hit up Keith. Keith's got all my information, and, and, and Keith knows I'm one of those guys I'm willing to share with anybody, any concepts we have. Uh, you can go to Coach's Choice, and there's are both offenses, what we call it. There's eight DVDs out. You can get them there. You can contact me through any social media. uh, And I'm willing to share anything. And Keith will tell you, I'm willing to share, sit down, talk, you know, anytime, anywhere. uh, and, And I always get back to everybody.
0: Coach, you're definitely someone, if, if they have the opportunity to see you at a clinic this offseason, they should. Um, it's certainly been a pleasure to have you on our show, and I really like talking ball with you, so thanks again.
1: Keith, it's always a pleasure. Anytime you want, we're here, uh, and I appreciate you having me on. Good luck with, with the show. And, and and once again, from all the young coaches out there and all the all the old coaches too, thanks for doing this. It, it it's really great, and it'll be a really great resource for you guys uh, moving forward. So, Keith, thank you.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Follow me on Twitter. We're doing a lot of interactive stuff over there, including our Your Call series, where we put up a real play, real situation, real alignment and reveal the next day what that is. But we give you the opportunity both to run a play as well as defend it. So check that out. It's a lot of fun. And stay tuned here to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. We have some new content coming up for this current season. I know which is a different one, so we will be addressing both the guys who are on the field playing as well as the guys who are waiting for their season to start. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes and Click five star for the rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It helps the podcast.